Welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee korup, guten tak, jao, weevee, vakat, bang, half a day, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, from the left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Kilitary Industrial Corporation in the cheese-covered post-constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy mocracy criminocracy unchallenged by meaty uh meatyocracy um, foodborne in the NSA NRM um, USA home of Uncle Sam Manella where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the Wall Street backed corporate diet of death disease and destruction is shoved down your throat this is go vegan radio with Bob Linden and we we live in such uh, nonsensical times I really feel like I can say anything and it'll make more sense than what we hear from uh, MSNBCNN. Um, so, anyway, oh, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, by the way, from now on, uh, or maybe starting in May, but I'll start to try to get you used to it now. Um, from now on, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden will be known as the greatest show on earth. Okay, so um, somebody else isn't going to need that uh, slogan anymore. So I thought I would uh, do, you know, first dibs. I get it. Um, So Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden will be the greatest show on earth. Um, That's will be known as that from from now on. Somebody else used it and abused it for 146 years. Uh, Now we've waited 16 years with this show on the air. Um, and I think uh, I think it's only fitting that uh, in our modern day that a vegan show uh, would take on that slogan uh, and uh, you know turn that frown upside down and clean it up and set things right for the 21st century. So anyway, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, the greatest show on earth, um, and. Uh, you know, from now on, when I say that, I'm not referring to that passé, dark ages, greatest show on earth, huh? Uh, which uh, itself is ready to join Obama in the dustbin of history. So um, I wonder, uh, I don't know, uh, how many people who have protested against the circus uh, are now uh, are now part of the. Democrat Party's greatest deception on earth, this this political circus, huh? That's marching us, you know, like they used to march the elephants. We 
saw them through the streets of Anaheim there. Uh, so we're marching off now to a war with Russia. Ah, so, so that all the poor animals in the circus uh, who were being liberated, oh, the poor elephants, well, I don't know how liberated they're going to be, but um, let's, let's go with the concept that, okay, so, the, you know, the elephants and the lions and the tigers and, and the bears and, and the camels, so they're all being liberated just in time to get nuked, just in time to get nuked. Um, I... Really, really. Isn't that something? You know, 146 years of oppression. Finally, here's liberation. Oh, sorry, we just went to war with Russia. Everybody, everybody's getting duped. I really, really, really don't get it. I don't how Democrats have taken us to the brink of war with Russia. Um, suddenly, warmongering is progressive. How did that happen? And... Uh, we are on the brink of war with Russia based on what? Um, let's see. Well, you know, what's really scary is that it is based on nothing. Zero. Nada. No evidence of any sort whatsoever that uh, there's any Russian involvement in the U.S. election. And if you believe that to be the case, uh, well, then... Uh, Perhaps we should look at who's being manipulated by our uh, establishment media fake news. Um, there is no proof. Sorry, no evidence. That's a fact. And that's it in black and white. That's about as black and white as the only solution to climate change is a population shift to vegan. That's a fact, too. Um you know, or with you know, with nuclear war, nobody will care much about climate change anymore. So, what what what's the difference, right? You know, so uh, why why should we worry? Why should we care about nuclear war? Um, I mean, why sh why should we worry about climate change if we're going to have nuclear war? I mean, those nuclear weapons, by the way, have have a tendency to change the climate rather quickly, rather dramatically. Those nuclear weapons do. Want to see the temperatures skyrocket? I mean, 2016 was the USA's second warmest year on record. Um, I, I guess it's the runner-up. Uh, if uh, for some reason 2012 doesn't want to serve as the warmest year on record for the U.S. anymore, I guess 2016 can take 2012's place. But 2016 was uh, the USA's second warmest year on record. Uh, the nationwide average temperatures last year were 54.9 degrees Fahrenheit, which is almost three degrees above normal. And uh, there were, uh, yeah, what was it? Was it $48 billion? Anyway. Was I going to get into climate change already now? I wasn't in, into climate change. Maybe I should. Um, let me see if it just shows me the the amount in billions here. Eh. All right. Oh, here it is. Uh, the uh, climate disasters of 2016 included eight severe storms, four floods, a hurricane, a drought, and a wildfire the National Oceanographic 
Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration said, why don't I just say NOAA, NOAA? Um, the damage cost of all um, 15 disasters combined in 2016 added up to $45 billion. So anyway, um, but who cares about climate change, right? Because uh, Democrats, uh, the, the Democrats want to turn up the thermostat up to uh, vaporize all beings, please. You know, let's uh, you know, forget about, uh, you know, these little few degree differences when we can vaporize all beings. Yeah, the circus animals just liberated them to the elephants. Why, why are the Democrats risking a nuke war with Russia based on nothing? Um, the only thing I can think is, and uh, I think probably the Democrats have been listening to this show. I think that's uh, really, um, yeah. And uh, by the way, I, I hope this nuclear war doesn't happen before I get Radio Bobby on the air. I want to get that internet music radio station going, and I'm, I'm just trying to you know, delay nuclear war at least until I... I get that on the air, okay? And I, yeah. Anyway, maybe I could get Democrats listening to that and get them off of this uh, this war with Russia thing, you know. But uh, and I, I do believe it's very po possible that the Democrats have been listening to this radio show. It is possible. It is. I mean, you you don't think a bunch of Democrats have listened to this show? I mean, with Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden being on air for 16 years now. That's right. We we were on the liberal Air America radio network for a year, and we were on the the liberal K Talk in Los Angeles, and and liberal stations everywhere. So Democrats had to be listening. And uh, isn't this right now the 16th anniversary? Like right now, like it's mid January of 2001 that this program started like it's right now it's the anniversary okay i guess i should uh i guess i should celebrate my with myself here a miserable anniversary to me miserable anniversary to me miserable anniversary so i mean i mean isn't it great for 16 years now i've, I've had to concentrate on animal misery and murder Week after week, 16 years, miserable anniversary to me. This was only supposed to last a few weeks, right? Two, three weeks, we'd get kicked off the air. The radio station owners would, would hear the content. We'd know we're offending all other advertisers, and we'd be done. You know, I thought they would change the locks at the radio stations, but here we are 16 years later. 16 years of this, 16 years of concentrating on... <laughs> The misery, the suffering, the killing. Um, so I'm glad you can join me in my, uh, you know, my, my nervous breakdown over all these years. What was my point anyway? Where was I? What the, what was what was the question? What was the? Oh, my point is, I am now taking full responsibility, f f complete. You know, because nobody ever takes, you know, accountability, whatever. So I'm taking full responsibility for Democrats. Uh, taking us to the brink of war with Russia. You know, my guess is that a bunch of Democrats, you know, good climate change alarmist Democrats and uh, 
you know, they've probably listened to this show. And by the way, when I say, you know, climate change alarmist, I mean that in a good way. Um, they probably listened to this show and they've come to understand that anyone truly concerned about climate change, you know, anybody really willing to look at the most credible evidence, the uh, most highly respected assessment of uh, animal agriculture and climate change, uh, then uh, we must conclude that uh, personally going vegan and helping others go vegan are the only solution for climate change. So please Google livestock and climate change and read the assessment for yourself um, by uh, Robert Goodland and Jeffrey Anhang. Any Democrats listening to this program over the past 16 years have been exposed to this assessment that animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51% of all human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. So the math tells us that, uh, you know, humanity's wrong hunger for flesh and blood, uh, for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, the math tells us that at least 51% means that nothing can beat it. That makes it number one, right? You know, at 51%, you win, you know, with or without an electoral college. So there you have it. Uh, so, so what would be the reaction? What would the reaction of the establishment DNC, the Democrat Nazional Committee, be if, uh, you know, animal-loving, planet-loving, climate-change alarmists, you know, said in, in a good way, said lovingly, um, if, uh, if they uh, went to the DNC and said, hey, the only solution for climate change is... Uh, well, you know, to start, we have to ask all Democrats to go vegan right away, like right now. That has to be part of our platform, going vegan. So what would Nancy Pelosi say? What would uh, Amy Chuck Schumer say? Dianne Feinstein, Hillary, Obama? What would they say, what would they say if that were presented to them? Um, you know, if the one and only solution that we all go vegan, they would say, you know something? If we have to go vegan, you know something? We'd rather go to war with Russia. You know, let's get it over with. We, you, know, we, you know, I mean, climate change is important, you know, but I mean, give up our meat? Yeah, uh-uh. So, yeah, that's the only logical conclu conclusion to which I can conclude, you know, that uh, that's the choice. Democrats are saying, look, it's going vegan or climate change. Uh, I'll take war with Russia. Uh, Democrats would rather go to war with Russia than go vegan. I I, I feel it. That's that's what I feel. You know, um, and uh, I don't know what to tell you there. Uh, <laughs> it's really, and we have that uh, great new unconstitutional law that Obama gave us. And Trump, uh, you know, the one where U.S. citizens can be uh, detained indefinitely by the U.S. military without any charges, without any trial. You know, kind of like uh, Homeland Guantanamo. Anyway, I would think at this point, uh, regarding our uh, concern about Russia for absolutely no reason, I would think that anybody drinking vodka or borscht 
or engaging in some other stereotypical Russian activity. Should be under suspicion, so, uh, you know, take care. Watch what you're doing. Uh, there, There is vodka that comes from other countries other than Russia. And uh, borscht? I don't know. So there you have it. I'm going with this story. Fake news or not. Clickbait or not. Democrats take us to war with Russia to avoid veganism. Huh? And... Uh, and anyway, aren't all those vegans communists anyway, huh? Aren't they? So, I don't know. So, multiple choice. Okay, let's do, if you've been paying attention thus far. <laughs> and why would you be? Um, because no matter how nonsensical it gets, it still makes more sense than MSNBC, CNN. So, okay, if you've been listening, here's your multiple choice quiz on where we are so far. So, okay, so uh, number A, number A, which is more dangerous? Okay, so, so this is the question. Which is more dangerous? Ready? Number A, war with Russia, or letter one, not going vegan. So you have those two choices there? What's your answer, huh? Number A, war with Russia, letter one, not going vegan. Which is more dangerous? Huh? All right. <laughs> well, great. Finally, finally, everybody is right. We can all agree. We're all right, you know, because uh, if if you said uh, number A or letter one, really, they both t- lead to our extinction. So what does it matter? Hillary in front of the committee on Benghazi. What does it matter? Huh? I don't know. Um, take us to the brink of extinction. Demo- Democrats must really, you know, they they either really don't want to give up their meat. Oh, man, you're asking me to give up my meat. That's a little too much. Or give up my cheese. Or give up my omelets. Um, so it's it's come down to that. If I, if I, and it's for everybody, basically. You know, I mean, uh, it's come down to if I can't have my hamburger or chicken wings. If I can't have my omelet then everyone must die. I'm sorry. You're asking too much. So um, so if I can't have my omelet, everyone must die. Or uh, if Hillary isn't president, everyone must die. Was that a quiz again with uh, number one and letter A? Number A and letter one. Uh, so this uh, potential annihilation here... Um, I guess that's a good distraction, right? That, that'll get our minds off practically anything if we think about it, that we are facing annihilation. So that's a good distraction. Uh, or maybe those uh, establishment Democrats have something else to hide, right? Maybe, uh, oh, speaking of uh, pedophile, um, a, a lot of clowns at Ringling Brothers are, are going to be unemployed soon. Um, so I, I don't know where they're going to get jobs. But, uh, Mom, Dad, I wouldn't let the kids go alone to the pizza baller, if you know what I mean. Kind of an inside joke there, huh? Like, you probably don't know what I mean, because this uh, story of Pizzagate that has the underground news media abuzz, there are people all all over online uh, reporting on something called Pizzagate. 
um, except when they report on it, they say that they have their YouTube channels and their Twitter accounts and you know Reddit accounts shut down or removed or frozen or or penalized in some way. Um, you know, so I don't know. A few days ago, something kind of snuck in that didn't 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 get censored. I'm watching somebody who actually regularly regularly reports on uh, on Pizzagate, uh, and uh, then he he goes off the Pizzagate topic. Which, uh, by the way, the just this whole Pizzagate thing, just the thought of pus-filled cheese pizza is nauseating enough for me. To why am I even following this story? Um, but then he, he goes off topic on to how he just recently went out to a Denver restaurant and ate bison. Um, so, you know, one second he's all ah, concerned about uh, uh, children and uh, pedophilia and all of that. And then the next moment, I'm watching a caveman in front of me. Um, even though perhaps a caveman, you know, the caveman style of caveman Wayne Pacelli of the Humane Society of the United States uh, because uh, yeah uh, maybe he's not embarrassed that he's eating bison because the Humane Society of the United States was promoting bison eating in Denver what about a year or so ago so uh, yeah so Humane Society of the United States. So Ringling Brothers goes, you know, is going out of business, but not before it collected a twenty-five million dollar settlement from the Humane Society of the United States and Fund for Animals in a racketeering settlement. Um, those those were your donations, by the way. Twenty-five million dollars in your donations, because I think. Uh, I think caveman Wayne Pacelli said that insurance was paying uh, that settlement, but I don't think I don't think insurance pays for racketeering settlements. I don't think, uh, but I think you did. I think your donations to the Humane Society of the United States. So at least uh, you you gave uh, Ringling Brothers a nice twenty five million dollars send off with your donations to the animal rights movement. So uh, so Ringling Brothers. Uh, can just you know go go back into the dark ages where it belongs you know just uh, with with twenty five million dollars too so uh, that whole <laughs> it was a show out of the dark ages right you know I mean beating animals actually beating animals and eating animals are uh, right out of the dark ages I think you know that you have the just always find, found it you know amazing that that people were amused and and laughing at those you know less fortunate so unfortunate that they had to perform stupid stupid tricks out of fear uh fear of getting beaten or burned or you know using caustic chemicals i mean it's just yeah Animals are not ours to eat or wear or use for any reason, including entertainment. Uh, so, after 146 years, its time has come. Um, you know, just as we all dreamed of, we we all dreamed of the day when headlines would read, "Wrangling Brothers closes for good." Uh, now we need to uh, make the headlines read. Kroger ends the sale of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs and honey for good. 
Safeway ends the sale of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey for good. Ralph's and and uh, Vons and Gelson's and Publix and A and P and you know fill in the blank with your supermarkets. Wouldn't be, you know let's let's make that happen. That's what we really need to do now. Uh, there are billions of animals and a planet to save, uh, and we need to put all the energy that would go into protesting against the circus and uh, put that into creating a vegan world. You know, I mean, uh, you know, every ounce of energy uh, that, that we've had or would have for the circus now really has to go toward creating that vegan world, you know. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, I hope, hope the animals are going to be okay. Who even knows, right? I mean, yeah, it's great. Great that the circus ends, but uh, what does it say here? I would, I'd like to see how the uh, fake news media treats all of this. And this was uh, uh, the uh, ABC fake news network. Uh, so it says, uh, what happens between now and Ringling's closure in May? Um, and by the way, uh, start getting used to it now. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden is the greatest show on earth. We're taking on that slogan. Uh, I don't think Ringling will need it anymore. We'll we'll take it on now. If Ringling starts complaining about it, you know, before the end of May, okay, we'll go slowly. But you know, by the end of May, hey, when you when you hear the greatest show on earth, psh, it's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. If it's the greatest show on earth, you may want to make a tax deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. So ABC News says, what happens between now and Ringling's closure in May? The owners of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey's Circus announced Saturday that they uh, will close the 146-year-old show in May. Kenneth Fell, the chairman and CEO of Feld Entertainment, which owns the circus, said declining attendance combined with high operating costs are the reasons for closing. Uh, I see uh, Feld Entertainment was also um, saying that uh, nobody has the attention span now anymore, even for the show with, you know, the segment with the lion takes uh, up to 14 minutes, and you know, nobody has a 14-minute attention span anymore. They uh, Everything's uh, digital and all of that. So anyway, so... Uh, it says, when's the circus uh, final show? Ringling's, Ringling uh, has two uh, touring circuses this season. Circus Extreme. Aren't they all? <laughs> Wait a second. Is that the name of the touring one or is that just the description? Um, okay, so Circus Extreme is touring. Um, and the circus has always been extreme, so for 146 years. Um, and Out of This World uh, is also touring. And, uh, hey, Ringling Brothers, get out of this world. Um, the final show for Circus Extreme will be in Providence, Rhode Island on May 7th. And the other will close after a performance in uh, Uniondale, New York at the Nassau County Coliseum on May 21st. So uh, May 21st, meaning... Um, there shouldn't be any legal entanglements as of May 22nd for uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, calling itself the greatest show on earth. And why wouldn't we be? We're a vegan show. Wouldn't the greatest show on earth really have to be vegan? Come on. Times have changed after 146 years. 
no animal abuse, exploitation, use, right? Animals, not property. Um, that's the way it should be. The greatest show on earth. And we're the show uh, that can save the earth from climate change. Uh, so that's, that's pretty great. Um, this isn't egomania taking over, is it? Um, as I said, 16 years, well, this is our 16th anniversary, concentrating on animal suffering, animal killing, human disease, environmental devastation. So um, join me in my nervous breakdown. So, okay, says, what happens between now and May? The two touring circuses will perform a total of 30 shows and uh, whatever. What will happen to the employees? Well, I presume uh, the uh, pedophile clowns will be putting in uh, employment applications at um, certain specific uh, pizza salons around the country. I didn't say that, no. Uh, it says the Feld family has owned the circus for 49 years and employs some 500 people for the show. Those employees were told about the closure on Saturday night um, after shows in, on, in uh, Orlando and Miami. Uh, a handful will be placed in positions with the company's other shows. It owns uh, Monster Jam and Disney on Ice and uh, Marvel uh, Live, among other things. Uh, but uh, most will be out of a job. Uh, Chief Operating Officer Juliet Feld. Um, hmm. Isn't family, family nepotism. Juliet Feld said the company will help employees with job placement and resumes. Um, and in some cases, where a circus employee lives on the tour rail car, uh, you know, the circus travels by train, the company will also help with housing and relocation. Uh, a lot of the uh, circus employees actually live on the train. Uh, so they will be homeless and out of a job. Um, so uh, what will happen to the animals, it says here. Um, and uh, it says in May of 2016, Ringling uh, retired all of its elephants to a property in central Florida. Forty elephants live at the Center for Elephant Cons Conservation in Polk County, uh, but the circus still has other animals such as lions, tigers, camels, donkeys, alpacas, kangaroos, and llamas. Uh, Juliet Feld says homes will be found for the animals. Hmm, that sounds... Suspicious homes, okay. Um, but the company will continue operating the Center for Elephant Conservation. Huh, well, why will that be? What's up with that? Wrangling still happen having an elephant facility? Um, and uh, that'll be breeding? What? And, and training? And uh, what What could this be? What's, what's Wrangling up to? Uh I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't be surprised in this nonsensical world if it's uh, announcing Ringling Brothers organic elephant milk. More uh, protein, less saturated fat than cow's milk. Less junk in the trunk. Um, 
And to tell you the truth, drinking elephant milk would make as much sense as drinking cow's milk. Um, and have you tried Ringling Brothers' new uh, kosher camel steaks or Ringling Brothers' new humane lion burgers? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, Ringling probably could have stayed in, in the circus business if we just ate the performers. I mean, that I think that was... Perhaps the key to staying in business would have been um, if we just eat the performers then, you know, then, uh, or would that then be called a rodeo or a bullfight? I don't know. Um, I don't know, but but it would seem that then then eating the animals would, would make it okay then, right? Uh, you know? Uh, I, you know, I thought it was strange. Uh, this online website a few months ago showed pictures of stranded pigs about to drown and the article said you know that it was too bad that that you know they had to drown and go to waste that that they won't be eaten you know that that then their then their lives are really wasted or you know i've seen uh in the past uh i don't know people say like we need we need sprinkler systems in in uh chicken warehouses to put out the fires so the so so the chickens won't die in, in fires or won't drown, so at least they won't be wasted, right? They'll be eaten. That seems just so so strange to me. That uh, well, to tell you the truth, being vegan for thirty three years, it all seems so strange to me how anybody can eat flesh and blood or animals or you know their secretions. Their um, but uh, you know we live in nonsensical times. And believe me, everything I'm saying still makes more sense than anything you will hear on MSNBCNN. Um, okay, let's. That's probably enough. Enough of me at the moment. Other than, did I say the show's been on for 16 years? And uh, somehow, uh, have you have avoided making a tax-deductible donation for the for the 16 years? Um, we'll take $16. We'll, we'll take 1600 We'll take 16000 um, Coming up on the program, we have Dr. Mike Hudak. Uh, we will be talking about, well, we'll be talking about uh, grazing on uh, public lands and some books and resources. So uh, you'll see, uh, I'm telling you, uh, animal agriculture. Uh, have I mentioned what an environmental disaster it is? Did I mention anything about climate change and animal agriculture? Well, it only keeps getting worse, in, including deforestation. And, you know, the whole western United States is wasted. And are we ever going to get it together? Um, or are we going to just complain? Uh, I will serve the purpose of complaint here. Uh, when we continue, it's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And as I mentioned, you can make a tax-deductible donation uh, to support this program. Um, just go to GoVeganRadio.com Find the donate button at GoVeganRadio.com And uh, on Twitter we are at GoVeganRadio And on Facebook GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden And uh, a couple of Bob Linden pages there So uh, thank you for listening We'll continue with Mike Hudak Coming up uh, next hour Commentary with Professor Gary Francione
we continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter, at GoVeganRadio. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And the uh, two uh, extraneous Bob Linden pages. So that I must do everything in triplicate on Facebook and make sure that I'm just completely inefficient like... Uh, by the way, like yesterday uh, was Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and I did post something that I thought uh, was his very important anti-war speech, his anti-oppression speech, his anti-inequality um, uh, speech. Uh, really, um, I please go to my Facebook page, uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, or the two Bob Linden pages. Uh, you have to, you have to hear that. Uh, very eloquent talk uh, against war, and I don't know, I, I don't understand how you can be any sort of activist and be for war, um, and uh, I really do, as I guess I gave myself away, I'm trying to prolong this war against Russia so that I can get my Radio Bobby, my, my online music radio station on the air. Uh, first, you know, so I, just my luck, I'm ready to go on on air with it, and psh, nuclear bombs from Russia. Oh well. Uh, so uh, please help avoid nuclear war with Russia right now at all costs. Do your part um, and uh, demand peace. Uh, and listen to that talk by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, on my Facebook page. It's really quite amazing. Um, so we continue now. Mike Hudak, Mike Hudak, Ph.D., has been a guest on our show in the past, and he's the uh, author of Western Turf Wars, The Politics of Public Lands Ranching, um, and he's uh, the founder of Public Lands Without Livestock. Uh, Dr. Hudak has also worked with uh, the Sierra Club National Grazing Committee, um, and it looks like... Mike must Mike must really know stuff and, and be really smart because last year the editor of the Encyclopedia Britannica was asking him for information for material to to update an essay. So uh, when the Encyclopedia Britannica talks to me, it's asking me you know for money for to subscribe to to buy books. So Mike, well, <laughs> how is yeah. it that? <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica is, is well, uh, in touch with you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll explain you. that to you. Um, it's it's actually, um, it's not the Encyclopedia Britannica itself as the encyclopedia, but it is the Encyclopedia Britannica company, which is under it. There are a bunch of people who call themselves Advocacy for Animals. And they maintain a blog of these uh, essays that they ask activists like myself to write. So if you go to the site, it will say Encyclopedia Britannica, and then right under it, it will say Advocacy for Animals. And they will point out that it is not actually the encyclopedia that, that this is going for, but it's under the Encyclopedia Britannica brand. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's the clarification I've seen from from the editor. Anyway, I guess um, for, for for people who don't know, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica 
was was Google in the past. It was uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was what knew everything. Uh, it was your reference uh, volumes, volumes and volumes of of information. Uh, now known as Google, I guess. So uh, <laughs> and <laughs> well, I, I haven't written anything for Encyclopedia Britannica's uh, animal advocacy. Uh, is that Encyclopedia Britannica was that what it was, or is that what you said? Um, oh, let's see. I don't know. What is – I haven't gone there since last year now. But, um, I mean, it's pretty easy to find. I would type uh, advocacy for animals, and you'd be sure to get the, 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 the right uh, mm-hmm. uh, page if you just type so, that so just into Google, a, a just browser. Google, Google <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica, which seems kind of strange. So, yeah, I, well – or, or, or read Encyclopedia Britannica and, and, and read all about Google in it. So, there. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, you, were, you were to update an essay. So, so, tell us, because not only are you here today, you know, as the author of Western Turf Wars, The Politics of Public Lands Ranching, uh, but uh, you're promoting the availability of yet another book and... Not yes. even one that you wrote. So that's cr- that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, back in 2009, when I was asked to write that essay about public lands ranching for this uh, advocacy for animals slash Encyclopedia Britannica um, site, I included uh, several links in my essay to uh, uh, additional uh, resources on the web. And um, one of those that I found that I thought would be useful was an installation of my friend Lynn Jacobs' book, Waste of the West. This is a a very large book that Lynn wrote back in 1991. It's still the most comprehensive work on public lands ranching that's been written and probably will ever be written. And uh, someone had installed uh, just the text of the book, none of the photos or charts or graphs, and not even the last 60 pages of the text, but uh, still, there's uh, 540 pages or so of it there. And I talked with Lynn about it, and he told me he did not know who had installed that that site, uh, but uh, that he was perfectly okay with it. Lynn didn't write that book to make money. He, He really wrote it to get the information out and and however people could uh, facilitate that he was in favor of it so i put the link there in my essay well fast forward then from 2009 to 2016 and i uh, received an email from one of those editors at encyclopedia britannica advocacy for animals and she said gee there's been quite a few updates in public lands ranching in the news in the last few years such as that confrontation between the Bundy clan and the federal government um, back in, was it 2013, 14, something like that. And then, of course, the standoff at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge last year in Oregon uh, between, again, uh, some more of the the Bundy uh, family and, and the federal government. And she said, we'd like to have that information incorporated into your essay, as well as anything else that you think might be of uh, value. So in doing that revision, I noticed that the link that I had 
established to the installation of Lynn Jacobs' book no longer functioned. It was a dead link. And, um, and so I, I checked the web archive, uh, and it turned out that that uh, installation had been taken down already in 2010. Well, at the time, I was not in a position to do uh, another installation of that book really quickly. So I simply told the editors to put a link to the web archive. And they did that. Well, in subsequent months, I thought that, um, well, I could do uh, an installation myself. And I can do it in a much better way than this other person did. uh, Because I could put the entire book up there. Now, if I had been doing the installation in 2003, I would have done it much the same way that, uh, that, that it was done uh, because we simply did not have the bandwidth, the transmission speeds that we do today on the web uh, to allow people to uh, view and download uh, large files. And so one way you can cut down the size of these files is by eliminating all of the graphics and, um, and, and just keeping the text. And that's exactly what this person did. But now I wanted a full installation up there. Uh, Every page uh, just scanned and turned into a PDF file, grouped into chapters. And uh, and, uh, that's what we have. And so um, I I just finished that up last week, not working on it full time, of course, over the last several months, but just working now and then. And uh, finally completed it and put an announcement out uh, just a week ago today. Okay, so the book is uh, Waste of the West, Public Lands Ranching, uh, authored by Lynn Jacobs. So how is this available? How do people um, get it? Well, it's it's free access. It's uh, at the link, wasteofthewest.info. Now, I had to to find a a different uh, uh, domain name. Uh, because whoever put that installation up in 2003 still has the domain name registered to them. And, and they've obviously gone to some, some lengths to maintain their anonymity, because if you do a, a who is check, as it might be called, on, on the domain, you'll see that it's just registered as anonymous. So I had to find uh, another link uh, domain name that would work, and so I chose... Uh, uh, the dot info one. So it's simply the title of the book, no spaces, waste of the West dot info. Okay. Now, so you say this would be the most comprehensive book on public lands ranching. Um, what will people find in it? What will they find interesting? What are uh, some of the some of the nuggets sure. in there that uh, jump jump yeah. at it? Uh, us or... the, the the book is virtually an encyclopedia of public lands ranching. It's uh, it's the kind of book that you want not just to read cover to cover. And I suspect most people who own a copy have not read it cover to cover, but have gone to it for specific information, just as one would with a real uh, encyclopedia. So the first chapter, for instance, uh, talks about the history of public lands ranching right back to the 19th century before there was even government management. Government management, of course, didn't come in until the early 20th century in the case of the Forest Service and then the early 1930s in the case of the Bureau of Land Management. But uh, the actual ranching was going on back in the 1860s. Second uh, chapter talks about the current situation of 
public lands ranching. What's going on with government management today? The third chapter looks at the environmental impacts of this uh, grazing. And at this point, it's just the grazing. Uh, the next chapter starts looking at the, the broader issues of ranching itself, all of the things that are done in order to make the grazing uh, more uh, efficient, things like building fences, water developments, roads, putting out salt for the cattle, and other range developments. All of those things have negative environmental impacts. And then he goes through other range management practices, uh, various plants that the ranchers don't like because the cows don't like to eat them or they're toxic to, to the cattle. So, of course, the ranchers want to get rid of these things. They have to spray herbicides on them and so on. This also puts more toxins into the environment. And he also talks extensively about the, the predators that the government agency now called Wildlife Services uh, goes out and kills on behalf of the uh, ranchers. He, uh, he devotes an entire chapter to actually how the cattle uh, suffer as a result of the conditions uh, out in the arid west. And then in chapter uh, six, he takes a global perspective on this issue. That doesn't have anything to do with the ranching in the West per se, but it allows people to see that the kinds of negative environmental impacts that the ranching does have in the West have occurred all over the planet, even in ecosystems that are uh, much uh, moister, wetter, cooler than the West, even in places like England and Ireland and, and like that, for instance. Then he goes into the, the economics of it in chapter seven, looking at the below cost grazing fees uh, and, and things like that. He then in the uh, chapter eight talks about social and cultural issues, how this, uh, how we've all been brainwashed with the cowboy myth uh, through films and magazines and books for the last 120 years or so. And, um, and then he talks in chapter nine about the politics, like why is it so difficult to get rid of this, uh, this federal program? He uh, even devotes in chapter 10, he devotes all of chapter 10 uh, to the so-called benefits of public lands ranching. Uh, that chapter is about one page long. Mm -hmm. And then in the uh, chapter 11, he talks about uh, justifications for doing this uh, ranching and the federal program. Chapter 12, he talks about alternatives to it, basically ways that people have proposed to make it less environmentally harmful or to improve the economics so that the uh, taxpayers uh, don't subsidize it to such a great extent. Then in chapter 13, he asks rhetorically, is there a future for public lands ranching? Well, of course, in his view, in my view, and many other people, the answer is uh, no, but how do you get rid of it? And then he, um, in chapter 14, he talks about how uh, activists can get involved to work to abolish this. So that's, um, that's the, the overview of the book from the table of contents. As I said, it, it goes on for more than 600 pages, and it's a large format book. This is, this is uh, eight and a half by 11 inch pages. You know, I, 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 it's an awful 
awful heavy book to pick up. If you're going to read this for any length of time, it, you really need to put it on a stand or lay it on a table because if you hold it for any length of time, uh, one's arms will really become heavy. Uh, I, I weighed it last night just to see, and it weighs in at over four pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably very light on uh, on the computer, though. It's very... Uh... Hey, that's right. <laughs> well, very... yeah, but I... Um, you know, the, the concern, of course, that I had was that uh, people in rural areas who still don't have really fast Internet connections uh, will find it uh, troublesome to, to, to view the pages, uh, if not uh, download them. So uh, I, I hope that's not the case. You know, if we all lived in Japan or Singapore or someplace where they got super fast internet connections uh, relative to the United States, there'd be no problem. But um, some of these people out in the rural West still may have a problem getting to it. I don't know. I don't. What, what, and, and what, area, are, what area are we discussing here? Uh, what, what land mass are we discussing when we say public lands ranching? What, what does that include in oh, the West? Sure. Well, these are all the, the federal lands um, managed by for the most part, the uh, U.S. Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management that comprises uh, most of the public lands, federal public lands in the West. They're state public lands, too, but they're managed under different paradigms than the federal ones are. But, um, yeah, the, the Forest Service and BLM lands together, I think, comprise about 260 million acres. And, um, and, and, and that's uh, what's been under their quote-unquote management um, uh, for most of a century now. Hmm. Now, you said you updated an essay and it had to do with the Bundy uh, confrontation. What what were you writing in that? Oh, well, I just wanted to summarize the... Um, the uh, uh, the events, how they had unfolded, how Bundy had been grazing his cattle on this allotment uh, for about 20 years without having paid his uh, grazing fees. So, uh, you know, he was really in massive. And then I think at some point he had actually refused to even sign his permit, not just uh, refused to pay the, the grazing fees. So. The, the government was well within its rights to um, get his cattle off of there uh, for a long time uh, during those 20 years. And they just let it go on and on. Um, and then, of course, when it really did come down to the point where the government had decided to round them up, mostly under pressure from some environmental organizations, then, of course, uh, Clive and Bundy put the call out um, across the West to his militia friends. And I think it was maybe 400 of these militia members from all over the West showed up with guns. And uh, many of them started pointing them at the federal officials who were attempting to round up Bundy's cattle. And at that point, the, uh, the government officials uh, stood down and released the cattle back onto the range. Okay. Um, so, what are the uh, top uh, environmental impacts of uh, public lands ranching? What, 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 what is so devastating? Well, probably the best known one is the impact to streams because there isn't a lot of water in the West, and uh, most of uh, 
that water that there is uh, are in streams. And of course, the cattle want to get to those streams just as much as the native animals do. And, um, and, and by going to those streams, the cattle uh, beat down the, uh, the grasses, they eat the grasses, they, uh, they eat the new tree, seed, uh, tree seedlings uh, that are coming up. So it's, it's really a disaster that unfolds in slow motion over 60 or 70 years, especially where there's uh, uh, trees like aspen and willow that are growing along the stream banks. When the old trees die off, there are the, the, the young trees become eaten by the, by the cows. And, uh, and so after 60 or 70 years, there's no trees there. And of course, all that habitat for the native birds, uh, for the fish, which require cold water, uh, and, and of course that water would be kept cooler by the shade of the trees and so on. All of these species are severely impacted. Uh, the, they either have no habitat at all or the habitat that remains is seriously degraded, such as for the fish, because the water becomes too warm and, and there's all kinds of bad consequences for that for the native fish. It impacts their immune system negatively. It reduces their food supply in terms of insects and macroinvertebrates and all kinds of things like that. So you see, you see these native uh, animal populations just massively crashing all over. And, uh, and so that's just uh, the streams themselves. Then if you go out away from that, this, the situation is that uh, you go back 150 years, uh, those areas were uh, native grasslands. But um, because of what we would typically call overgrazing, which is generally gra any grazing by cattle, uh, those native grasses were, were extirpated and, uh, and the areas were taken over by what we would call weeds, which uh, have much less nutrient requirements because a lot of the topsoil had been eroded away when the native grasses were extirpated by the cows. And this is already back in the 19th century. And, um, and, and so you have uh, much less nutritious uh, vegetation growing there that the native wildlife would typically eat, right? And now that's gone. And so you have just these weeds growing. And, um, and uh, not only is the, are the weeds less nutritious, but the previous grasses, which were annuals, I'm sorry, were perennials, the weeds are annuals, the perennial grasses used to provide cover and, uh, and nesting habitat for uh, native animals, that's now gone. And so again, you can see that the uh, native animal populations are going to decrease for various reasons. They don't have places to nest, they don't have nutritious food to eat, and, uh, and, and they don't have cover to protect them or to hide them from their own predators. And so their populations are going to decline as well. And, and they have massively. Hmm. So uh, what a disaster eating uh, meat, uh, dairy, eggs. It's all, it's all for, this, uh, for this demand for, for animal flesh and secretions. We're talking to Mike Hudak. He is uh, the uh, author of Western Turf Wars, The Politics of Public Lands Ranching, and he's with us today uh, talking about a book that he just put online for you to see by Lynn Jacobs. It's called Waste of the West, 
uh, and you could go to wasteofthewest.info um, and uh, see uh, this encyclopedia of public lands ranching. Now, Mike, you used to be associated with the uh, Sierra Club. I don't know if you're involved anymore or lately, but you know, over over some time, we've uh, commiserated. I complained about the position the Sierra Club has taken on on veganism. I've seen the Sierra Club put out some pro-meat uh, propaganda, sustainable meat. I know they had an article on mm. choices for sustainable meat. And it's very, very upsetting to me. What, uh, anything going on with the Sierra Club and veganism that, that's hopeful? Any, any, any no. further? Not that I know of, and, and I have not been associated with the Sierra Club since late 2013. Um, in the summer of 2013, uh, for, for reasons unrelated to the ones that you've raised, I, um, I, I resigned as chair of the Sierra Club's grazing team and uh, left the committee altogether, and then I did not renew my Sierra Club membership uh, at the end of the year. And I had been a member of the Sierra Club for about 25 years at that point. So uh, there, there's a lot of things uh, going on in the Sierra Club that I, I didn't like. Um, I, I can't um, speak too negatively, though, of the way that they treated the, uh, the grazing team. Um, they, they funded us pretty well and allowed us to go off and do the kinds of things that we wanted. So that, that really wasn't the reason for my uh, leaving. But um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. You know, since I left, I do know that the club revised its agriculture policy, which is a broader policy than the grazing policy. And um, that uh, agriculture policy does say some favorable things about raising meat. Um, I think it mentions something in there. They may not use the word actually holistic management, um, which is a, a kind of a system that uh, Alan Savory uh, has developed and promoted. But they they use language. I, I, to I, I have found his. Uh, I mean, he, there, there's somebody, Alan Savory. Whew, uh, what a mess! I mean, he uh, mm. his, his environmental resume uh, involves killing forty thousand elephants. He says, "Oops, my mistake." And then uh, his whole system has been completely debunked by uh, Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. Mm. Uh, very. Um, you know, his uh, increased, uh, I mean, his, his solution, his environmental solution seems to be more animal agriculture. And I know that Bill McKibben is a fan of Alan Savory, but yeah, look, or look, look at what, uh, uh, I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah. well, Bill McKibben is, a, is, is that supporter of meat, right? But Bill McKibben said, uh, you know, who are we to deprive uh, people in developing countries the, the pleasure of, of eating meat, you know, but... So Bill McKibben tied in with Alan Savory and uh, rancher donations to 350.org, rancher donations oh. to uh, uh, the Sierra Club. But uh, the whole Savory thing is, is unproven and uh, quite ridiculed by um, Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. I think it's important for, for people yeah. to, to look at that. Uh, but, you know, yeah. Alan Savory has, has a nice accent, so people seem to believe him, but... <laughs> You know, once somebody kills 40,000 elephants by mistake, you know, I, it's like, well, sorry, we, we, we don't we don't let you have <laughs> control over uh, the environment in the future, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, when, when you come right down to it, uh, raising any animals, 
you know, I mean, is going to be much more wasteful than growing vegan foods, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds. I mean, the, the environmental, you know, raising of animals is, it's catastrophic. So uh, always much more water. Um, I've seen the figures that a vegan needs 10,000 gallons of water to grow his or her food in a year, where a so-called meat eater needs 320,000 gallons. And, you know, just what you're saying, the, the, the soil erosion and, you know, it's like... Apparently, the solution is to go vegan, and uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's uh, and you're vegan yourself, so. Yes, I am. Yeah. So. Uh, well, and I, so, I, I believe Lee Jacobs is too, by the way. So. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, he was microphone shy. He. Uh, he. You know. Was was happy that we were going to talk about his book, but uh, a little shy about uh, coming on on Mike. And I, I told him uh, I'm I'm shy uh, every week now for 16 years. I'm microphone shy, but I do it. So, <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's that's Lynn Jacobs' book. It's Waste of the West: uh, Public Lands Ranching, and you can see it at uh, Waste of the West. Dot info. So, um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention about all of this stuff? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. But um, it, I hope people will take a look at this, and, um, and you know they can look at it as little or as much as they want, depending on uh, you know the kinds of things they'd like to learn. Um, but um, no, that's that's really. Okay. Pretty much, as, it. as you said, as you said, that it, it covers history and politics and economics and social and cultural <laughs> issues and the environmental impact and uh, you know really when it, when it comes right down to it, it's it's consumer demand that has people out there uh, producing these uh, so-called animal products. So you know if we if we were to go <laughs> vegan, maybe maybe they'd be out there growing uh, you know, lentils and sunflowers. You know? <laughs> Hey, so, Bob. Uh, yeah. Bob. Uh, one thing yes. I, I told you, I, I, I told your listeners that uh, Lynn has this one page chapter devoted to the so-called benefits of public lands ranching. Now, you need a little bit of a sense of humor to appreciate some of these things. But um, I, to, if, if I, I can close out here mentioning a couple of them um, where he says here, uh, number one, uh, it, uh, public lands ranching keeps some people wealthy. It uh, uh, provides humans with rodent access to every nook and cranny of public land and opens the West to widespread exploitation. Uh, he says that it maintains remote base properties that serve as excellent sites for criminal hideouts and narcotics <laughs> laboratories. Ah. And finally, uh, he says it provides an excellent example of how tyrannical, wasteful, and destructive a special interest can be without public awareness or opposition. There you have it. Well said. And those are the benefits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, 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 we can only wonder what else we'll find in there. Well, great. Well, thanks for being with us again today, Mike. I really appreciate it. And again, um, Mike Hudak's book is Western Turf Wars, The Politics of Public Lands Ranching. And Lynn Jacobs' book is Waste of the West, Public Lands Ranching. And you find that at wasteofthewest.info. Thanks for being with us again, Mike. Okay, thank you, Bob.
Okay, thanks. So we are here at Go Vegan Radio, goveganradio.com. I do want to thank... Uh, I want to thank uh, Vegetarian House. I do want to thank Vegetarian House for its support. Daisy would like to thank Vegetarian House also. Oh, I think Daisy wants me to thank uh, Evolution. Oh, okay, okay. I'll thank Evolution, dog and cat food. Daisy, Daisy's favorite. I know, it's your favorite. And uh, yeah, so that all members of the family can go vegan, dogs and cats. Daisy Loves Evolution, go to PetFoodShop.com, PetFoodShop.com to order Evolution. Daisy loves her cans of Evolution. We're going to try the kibble also. We have, we're going to try the kibble, baby. We're supposed to put water on it, so we'll, we'll do that. Um, and, uh, oh, and also I did start to uh, say thank you to Vegetarian House, which is a 100% vegan restaurant in San Jose. It has been a supporter of this program for many years. We greatly appreciate that. It is one of the great vegan restaurants in the world, so if you're in the Bay Area, definitely stop by. It's 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. You can look at the menu at uh, vegetarianhouse.us. You'll see that when we go vegan, and you know we don't sacrifice anything, we don't sacrifice anyone, I think Vegetarian House has the best vegan burger that I've had um, trying to get people off of their habit of eating creatures from the sea. Go have the ocean basket at Vegetarian House with uh, tartar sauce. That is quite delicious. Um, sushi. It's just a great international menu there. Asian food. Um, check it out. Great live, uh, you know, great raw desserts, all organic, non-GMO. And Vegetarian House caters, so um, if, you're, if you have a uh, business event coming up, a social event, you're getting married, you want to impress everybody with the food, um, get in touch with Vegetarian House. Again, that is vegetarianhouse.us. So we will continue. It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. We would greatly appreciate it if uh, you would support us with a tax-deductible donation. Just find that donate button. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and the Bob Linden page is there. And uh, I would like to uh, thank the Stanford Inn by the Sea 
for its support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. I'm just looking at that website, StanfordInn.com. Look at those pictures. Look at how beautiful it is right there on the Mendocino Coast, the Stanford Inn, uh, just across from the water with the organic gardens and organic farm and the Ravens Restaurant where they take all of the produce from the organic gardens and farm and turn them into recipes that you find in Dining at the Ravens by Jeff and Joan Stanford and Companion Animals Welcome and uh, you can go canoeing and bicycling. There's yoga. There's massage, art. Just uh, one of these days. One of these days, Daisy, will get away to the Stanford Inn by the sea on the Mendocino Coast. Just right there by the water in a very special place, and it is the only vegan eco-resort in the USA. That's the Stanford Inn on the Mendocino Coast. Well, we are joined now, as we are on a weekly basis, for commentary from Professor Gary Francione and Professor Anna Charlton of Rutgers University. And uh, welcome again to the program. How are you doing today, Gary and Anna? Very well, Bob. How are you? Great, great, great. Nice going. It was great to hear that you unmuted your mute button as we asked. Perfect. Perfect. We did. We did. We did. We have our headphones on. We have our headphones on to prevent feedback. Excellent. Excellent. We are making technology progress right here. Indeed. Indeed we are. Indeed we are. Definitely. Well, what's new with you? Well, you know, um, well, we're working on a new book on on animal advocacy and how to talk about veganism. Um, And and so that's in the works. And we'll be talking more about that in future shows. But today we wanted to talk about the victory that wasn't Um, the animal community is, as you probably are aware, Bob, uh, very excited about the supposed victory that animal advocates have closed the Ringling Brothers Circus. And um, I, 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 well, we want to talk about that tonight. And it's a perfect example of everything that's wrong with the animal movement and how confused it is. Uh, anyway, Anna, do you want to start? Well, uh, the uh, elephant question in circuses has obviously been something that's been um, discussed by animal groups now for decades. Um, and no one could help be, but be happy that um, some elephants will not be performing in uh, circus circumstances, of course. Um, but there are lots of other animals that are um, used in circuses, in Ringling Brothers too, uh, over the years, um, that haven't had our attention, that haven't been the subject of campaigns. And um, the way that uh, the animal groups um, brought our, um, the situation of the elephants to our attention this really shows some of the flawed approach of single-issue campaigns, as, as we've discussed in other lot of the programs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in 2015, uh, Ringling Brothers announced that they were going to phase out elephants by, I think, 2018. And I wrote an essay then in which I said that um, this was, you know, and, and, and the animal people were, animal community was, was declaring victory. And I, I wrote an essay then in which I said, this was not a victory at all. 
Ringling Brothers was substituting Camel X in for the for the um, uh, uh, the elephants. So you know they were they were going to phase the elephants out. They were getting other animal X in, and there were all sorts of other species of animals that were being used, and nobody was talking about about stopping that. And um, you know, and the elephants actually were going to go to some conservation place that the Feld family ran, ran in, 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 in uh, Florida, and there were, in which the elephants were going to be used in research projects. So, I mean, I just thought, you know, the, the fact that animal people are claiming that that was a victory in 2015 is just absurd. And now, you know, once again, once again, the animal people are claiming this is a big victory. PETA is leading the charge here saying that They've been protesting uh, against this for for many years now, and that's true. In the early 1980s, when we first got involved with um, with uh, with with PETA, uh, that was one of the projects that they had. I thought it was strange then. I think it's really strange now that 36 years later, anybody is saying this was a really good use of resources. It wasn't a good use of resources at all. It was an appalling use, misuse of resources. Uh, think about all the time and the energy and the, the money that went into that campaign over the years. Now we're declaring victory for what? I mean, Feld, the Felds closed the circus because it's not economically viable. It's 2017. People, these things cost a lot of money to put on, and they're mostly, they're, they're aimed at young kids. And as Feld Feld owns the the Feld family owns the Ringling Brothers Circus, and as as uh, one of the Felds said, kids don't sit still enough. They're, they're just not interested. You know, the the average act is I don't know twelve minutes long or something like that, and that kids don't sit still that long. And so you know, this is just not a viable form of entertainment. And so that's why they're closing it. And so the animal people are saying, well, they you know they it's being closed because the animal people closed it. That is just nonsense. That is just nonsense, you know, and I mean, this whole thing, this whole, you know, the focus on the elephants is if elephants matter more than other species of animals. And then, you know, then the claim that the whole thing is closing down because of, of, of uh, animal activism, that is completely false. Um, you know, to say that the reason why it's closing down is because people are becoming more sensitive to uh, animals is completely false. As a matter of fact, the point was made that a lot of people won't go to the circus if there aren't elephants. This is not a matter of sensitivity to animals. Nobody was boycotting the circus because it's got lions and tigers and dogs and cats and pigs and goats and all those sorts of species of animal. I mean, it was it was uh, you know it was entirely focused on the elephants. And, um, you know, and, and the circus is closing anyway. It's just not economically viable. And what really troubles me about this is that this is a perfect example, you know, because now it's, it's you know, comments are being made. Well, now we've got to go after other circuses. Well, we've now generated yet another series of worthless campaigns that are not going to do anything to change the world, not going to do anything to stop animal exploitation, but will provide lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fundraising opportunities for animal groups. Waste of time. Mm. Waste of time, ineffective, counterproductive, and it's a betrayal of animals as far as I'm concerned. Well, um, now, should we not be uh, glad that Ringling Brothers is closing? Like, that's a good thing, right? That Ringling Brothers would close. But um, I am concerned about the animals who are there now, Ringling Brothers, 
um, says that it's going to find homes for you know the lions and tigers and bears and kangaroos and alpacas and llamas uh, and um, then still the the trouble with with elephants that they're going to keep uh, that facility open in Florida for breeding and research so um, I mean of course we should be glad that the show exists no more right I mean that's a horrible example well, of children mean, and yes yes it is Bob but but we also don't know um, where the curiosity or the entertainment seeking that was satisfied by circuses is going to go now. If Mr. Field is saying that, or Field, Feld, Feld. Sure. Feld says that um, he's getting feedback that it's the lack of, of uh, uh, elephants that was, was turning people, causing people not to go to the circus, some people, yeah. rather than an aversion to the use of animals, well, are those people now going to rodeos and Wild West shows and hunting and things like that? If we haven't educated people to stop viewing animals as, as a source of entertainment, then we really haven't got very far. And if, if, it, if it took 30-something years of my lifetime being aware of it to, to get to the point where Ringling Brothers closed down for economic reasons, then... Are we is the next campaign for the next thirty years to get all lions out of out of circuses or tigers, and then we'll move on to the llamas and the kangaroos. It's we need a different well, approach. I'm, to I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we can now redirect ourselves toward the vegan cause. That all the energy that went into circus protests, we we can now look at you know and say. Well, let's let's put it into you know just as uh, the circus is from the dark ages. I think eating flesh and blood is kind of from the dark ages too. So, you know, we, when we see the headline that makes us happy that Ringling Brothers is 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 you know closing for good, I, I think we need to make the headlines that you know Kroger isn't going to sell meat, dairy, fish, and eggs and honey for good, or Safeway is not going to sell. See, but unfortunately. None of the animal groups are are promoting that, Bob. That's well, the problem. I am. I am. Well, and by yeah, the way, yeah. I, I just want I just want you to know that from now on, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden is uh, the greatest show on earth uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because somebody's not going to need that uh, slug line anymore. So I thought, let me jump on it quickly, and uh, we'll see if we keep going for the next hundred. Well, we don't have 146 years to turn the world world vegan, but uh, anyway, you are on. Uh, the greatest show on earth, since nobody needs yes. that uh, slogan anymore. Yeah, you should try to get the URL immediately after we get off. But you know, no, I, I... generation. What what was? I, I was looking um, over the weekend at, at the Ringling Brothers website to see what other animals uh, would no longer be used in that circus, and there was a story about uh, Mr. Lacey, their big cat trainer, who has. Um, dealt with uh, their family has trained 11 generations of lions and nine generations of tigers so um you know in the 30 odd years that i've been aware of the ringling brother elephant problem successive generations of other creatures have been going through so um we've, we've been focused very much on on the elephant question but there's been so many tragic situations concerning other animals that haven't had our attention. Where, what about the donkeys and the llamas and the pigs and the kangaroos? 
Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're I, saying and I, they're going to go to a home. They're going to go to a home. Feld tells us, but yeah, the elephants—they're right. going to—they're going to keep breeding the elephants. And uh, what does that that mean? They're they're going to keep that facility open in Florida for the elephants. What? Why is that for breeding for other circuses for other entertainment for? I mean, what? I, I don't know much on? about that, but that facility. I know that it's. It's that, that it is a breeding facility and it's a research facility. I don't know. I've seen people say that they do various forms of vivisection there. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, and I've seen some comments, but I, I don't know if they're accurate. As far as the other animals are concerned and finding homes for them, um, I don't know what that means. What does it mean? Homes and roadside zoos? I mean, you know, what are they going to do with these cats? What are they going to do with these large cats? What are, we gonna, what are they going to do with the with the goats and with the, I mean, you know, finding homes? What does that mean? Mm. Where are they going to go? Yeah. And, you know, and so, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I look at this and, you know, when you say, well, you know, it's a good thing that they're close. Well, on one level, yeah. On another level, look at the amount of resources that went into that what did it do? It the, the animal people did not close this. It is not closing because animal people uh, uh, did anything. It's closing because circuses are no longer economic. Circuses of that size are no longer economically viable. There will be smaller circuses. They will continue, and you know they're not as expensive. And tastes change. I mean, right. I'm sure. I'm sure some children were delighted uh, by the spectacle, but I bet there's also a large number who would rather be sitting, um, getting entertainment from their phones rather than looking at some um, animal act in front of them. So tastes change, just as heaven knows, tastes tastes change to get the human um, sideshows out of circuses. It's only a century since since. Um, uh, well, and actually, it's a lot more recent than that, isn't when it? When I was a kid, I don't know about you, right. Bob, but when I was a kid growing up in New York, they used to have these things called the straight shows. Do you remember those? Do you do you recall those, Bob, in New York? Called, the called what? The straight shows. James E. straight shows. Do you remember those? No, I don't. They were no. freak shows. They were human freak shows. They were they had people with two heads. You know, they had, they had you know they had beard, they were the bearded ladies and all that sort of stuff. And it was really horrible. I mean, you know, they had and they, you know, they had they had, they had, they had people with various physical deformities, and they Gigantism they and right, right. They put them twins exactly, exactly. You know, they put them on. You know, uh, uh, they put them on. Yeah, join. You know, conjoined twins and stuff. They they put them on display, and they used to call them the James E. Straight freak shows. And that was, I mean, you know, that wasn't all that terribly long ago. That was in the nineteen, you know, the nineteen fifties, the nineteen sixties. And um, and so, you know, tastes have changed. People, people, most people don't um, think that, that, that that's a very good idea anymore. Thank God, um, you know, that they don't you know that, that people don't want to patronize that sort of thing. But we have other forms of human cruelty now, um, you know, that we didn't have then, you know, that have because we didn't we didn't change morally, um, you know, just tastes changed and, and particular, you know, particular um, you know, uh, 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 inclinations changed and people shifted over to other other sorts of things. So now we have all of this, you know, we have these uh, these these extreme fighting contests and we have all sorts of we have these reality shows, which in many ways I think are perverse in all sorts of ways and exploit people in all sorts of ways. But, um, you know, we have we have we have various other forms of human cruelty. So, you know, yeah, I mean, 
circuses are not, you know, they're not popular anymore. They cost, I mean, circuses of that sort, there will still be circuses, circuses of this, of the, uh, of the scale of the Ringling brothers. Um, you know, it, it, those sorts of things cost a lot of money and they're not making money. They're just not making money because Zana says kids, why, kids are not interested in going to, you know, look at clown. I mean, uh, I mean, they're, 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 they're just not interested in that sort of thing. And they, it costs a lot of money. And so it has nothing to do with the animals. It has nothing to do with morals changing. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the economics of, uh, you know, the, 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 the present economic situation. It has to do with changing tastes, but we haven't, as a society, we haven't, our, our, our moral antenna have not been made more acute in any, in any way, because in fact, one of the reasons why, you know, what, well, one of the reasons they, they, they pointed out or, or uh, fell pointed out the irony that a lot, that some people were not going to attend the circus because they wanted to see the elephants. So, it, it, things haven't changed. It's not that it's not that moral thinking has changed. The only way, and this goes back to what you and I say all the time, um, the only way things change is if people go vegan for ethical reasons. Once they go vegan for ethical reasons, everything changes. Until they go vegan for ethical reasons, nothing changes. Vegans don't go to circuses. They don't go to rodeos. They don't go to Sea World. They don't go to any of these places. And so. You know, I think it's I, 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 it's disturbing to me. It's disturbing to me that animal people are declaring this to be a victory because it's not a victory at all. And what and, and, and it's part of the entire process. It's, it's part of what animal what the, the animal welfare um, business has become. The idea that, you know, that it's just an endless stream of 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 campaigns endless endless i mean bob i don't know about you but on a weekly basis i get i get a number of notices from various animal organizations and they've all got campaigns and the campaigns are all useless as a matter of fact no i, I take that back they're not useless they're actually worse than useless they're counterproductive you know they're counterproductive there are things like you know like like give us money so we can deal with crew you know so that we can be more we can we can have prosecutors be more uh, aggressive on cruelty cases. Well, you know, how is that helping? How is that helping? I mean, you know, it, it's it's reinforcing the idea that cruelty is what some people do um, in pathological circumstances in dealing with dogs and cats. When what we're doing with farm animals and we're doing with animals in all sorts of situations, which is perfectly acceptable and no one's going to be prosecuted for abusing or for uh, violating any, any cruelty law, is everybody's bad. So, I mean, it's a very confused way. This is not a social justice movement. It's a business. These groups are not social justice groups. They're businesses. Yeah. You know, I'm just and seeing something uh, that uh, I find interesting that's going on in France. Apparently, um, they're looking to put cameras in slaughterhouses. And um, I find that a curious campaign. Um, what? The CCTV that... thing? No, I, I think that that uh, Parliament, uh, it's, it's going oh. through the government. They're ordering that there be cameras in all slaughterhouses right. in France. Right. Again, so, um, so that you can be sure that that the humane slaughter laws are are um, 
respected. Well, that's going to help. Yeah, I mean, again, again, that's another. Surprise, that's surprise. surprise they that's another. That's another silly. Right. That's another silly campaign where there are, uh, there are a, th- a thousand slaughterhouses in France. And but it, what I find um, strange about it is that the public won't be able to see it. So, you know, when I first heard about this, I thought, oh, great, the slaughter channel on cable, people turn that on, they'll see it and they'll go, I'll never eat meat again. But apparently this will only be viewed by um, veterinarians or officials, you know, so so nobody really gets to see what the cameras see. So we'll get the official word that everything's okay. They're They're slashing their throats nicely. They're hoisting them. Painlessly, you know, it's very, That's very what strange. To do that, to compare, to, it's a legal compliance um, initiative, and that's all that needs to be um, verified. Right, so it's a, it's a complete is, joke. Right. It, this, the, the, the French thing is a complete joke. They've been, you know, the, uh, Animal Aid has been pr- promoting this nonsense in Britain. There are people here who are promoting it. It is complete nonsense. First of all, as you point out. The public isn't going to see these videos. Um, they're going to be viewed by by uh, by a, a select group of of uh, of people, um, meat industry are, officials, right, uh, exactly, uh, exactly. veterinarians, and, and it just has the effect of and and the whole point of this is to reassure the public is to have a bunch of officials reassuring the public that it's all being done all right, as if you can ever do that all right. If you comply with all of the rules and regulations, it's still a horrible process. And and number one. Number two, you know, it's not like we've never seen films of slaughterhouses. They are out there. Films are out there. And, and you know, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why um, we don't use gory films and stuff like that in our in our um, our advocacy work is as a general matter what we found over the years is that those sorts of gory films don't turn people vegan what they do is they get people focused on on treatment issues and they say oh it's really horrible they they ought to change that they ought to make it better they ought to do this they ought to do that i mean very few people look at that stuff and say hey you know i can't participate in this anymore at all um, and, and, um, you know, I mean, do some people do it? Yeah. I mean, but, but just, in, just, just in talking with people over the years and thousands and thousands of people, the number of people that have told me that they've gone vegan because they saw, you know, some gory slaughterhouse film or they got, saw some, some films about factory farms or whatever. It's very small. Um, people get upset when they watch those things. Some people may be vegan temporarily. You know, they may stop eating animals and, you know, they might not buy a pair of leather shoes that they were going to buy or whatever. But but most people don't stay vegan based on being shocked by a film. So I, I think that that's also I mean, I, I think it's just it's 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 um, not realistic to say that, well, people are going to, uh, um, you know, look at this and, you know, they're going to they're going to go vegan. I, I, I don't think that's a realistic expectation. You know, the stuff's been it's not, it's not that like, you know, people don't know what the hell goes on in slaughterhouses. There are films out there, you know, lots of uh, them. actually. I, I think I think people uh, like to uh, you know, hide their heads in the sand when it comes to so much. And they they actually aren't aware. And sometimes, you know, the the awakening comes from actually seeing what's happening. Um, and um, but the idea then, of course, is not to think it can be improved, that the, the, the solution always has to be to be vegan, because 
what are they what are they going to see in the cameras there it'll be horrific i mean even on their on their best day the public you know upon seeing that would would be outraged so it's really it's kept hidden from the public too and i think i don't know i think uh, some people need to see what what they're what they're making happen that sometimes i don't, i don't think that they they realize how awful it is and they've been calmed by all of this talk of humane meat and everything where they think everybody's happy wherever they are even you know on you know when they're getting stabbed it's a happy stab it's very yeah know, but that's but know. that's exactly that's exactly what this sort of initiative is going to do is sort of is is just going to be it's yet it's going to be yet another happy meat initiative and you yeah, know because I, I saw nothing about being vegan related to to this and i you know i, I was reading the the article and uh it was uh wow the public doesn't even see it it's behind the scenes so it's just going to be the meat industry saying we're looking at the at the the, the videos everything's okay everyone and no go vegan you know i mean it's like it's so counterproductive i, I felt from from looking at it i mean it's, nobody it is it this. is ca- it is counterproductive, but all of this welfareism is that's the problem. That's the thing is that this is counterproductive. The Ringling Brothers thing is counterproductive. The only thing that is productive is advocating veganism. And if you take all of the re- if you take all of the resources that are going into these these silly welfareist campaigns, you put that into vegan advocacy, you start making change. You start you start having significant change. But, you know, it doesn't. It it it's the, it isn't the it isn't the money making machine that these campaigns are you know these you know the the circus campaign a perfect example and you see the way the animal people are talking about it now they're saying well this is this is the beginning we've now got to get rid of other circuses the other circuses need to see the handwriting on the wall yeah right so. Well, let's have there. Let's there have, are billions. There are billions of animals crying out for us to uh, uh, look at uh, the vegan cause here and to redirect ourselves toward that. I mean, like like you say, um, and you know, I mean, I've been vegan now thirty three years, and uh, whatever sort of animal rights activist anybody who's been in this for decades has participated uh, in circus protests or anti fur, um, but. You know, it, it, it never really was the complete story. It never really was the complete, wait, we, you know, it, it's like not just fur, but what about leather, wool, silk, feathers, you know, not wearing, not eating. But I think the vegan um, causes the complete package when it comes to, to animals that you're right. Vegans don't go to circuses. Vegans would not approve of the use of animals in entertainment for clothing, for food, for, for any reason. So, and, you know, to come to the recognition that they're not products, they're not things, they're not performers, you know. So, I don't know. It just seems to be a more complete overview uh, for animals that uh, that we promote veganism. Because I, you know, I, I don't feel that comfortable, you know, going to a circus protest and then leaving and, you know, somebody going, all right, I'm, I'm going to go home to my chicken dinner now. Nice protesting with you. You know, it's just like it's a little uh, hypocritical. You know, so Absolutely. Somebody, Absolutely. Somebody, somebody leaving a SeaWorld protest, uh, going home to, you know, have a plate of shrimp or something. You know, I mean, it's just uh, doesn't make sense. So. 
I, I agree. I feel I feel I do feel that this is an opportunity to to refocus on the vegan cause and just say like, okay, we did. You know, a lot of people spent a lot of time on on the circus, and now we have some free time and free energy to uh, to reboot, restart, and recognize that uh, going going vegan is uh, is most important. I love your sense of optimism. <laughs> I really do. All it's going to do is just. It's gonna fu- those people are gonna be funneled into the next useless single issue campaign. <laughs> That's all, and they'll be fundraisers is... for the next useless single issue campaign. This this uh, is sixteen years of optimism right now. This is it was uh, January of two thousand one that we <laughs> this started. Like so, right now it's like the sixteenth anniversary. Sixteen years of of optimism. So. Uh, you know, you've got to be optimistic. We, we, we believe that there's going to be a vegan world, right? So I'm optimistic about that. I just would like to I get believe there. Gonna, I, yes, I believe there's going to be a vegan world, but it's going to be a vegan world brought about by regular people, grassroots activists who care about animals, who see that morality and that, that the moral status of animals requires that people go vegan and not people who are involved with these these. Uh, welfare corporations, um, these charities that are doing nothing but um, but promoting the wrong sorts of ideas. It's, it's, by, the by the way, I, I, I mentioned I mentioned earlier that uh, gee, Ringling Brothers stayed in business just long enough to get uh, what about twenty five million dollars from uh, HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States. Oh so, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. That's been also been neglected. <laughs> yes, they. Yes, they. Uh, the, <laughs> I think also I think there were other animal groups. Was it wasn't just. HSUS. Well, it was HSUS and it was the Fund for Animals, I think, So, which has been absorbed by HSUS. Right, so right, right, it was between right, right. Wayne Paselli and Mike, Mike Markarian that uh, yes. they had to come up with about $25 million and in donation money. Donation money, right, right, exactly, exactly. So, exactly. so everybody protesting against the circus, uh, uh, you know, Ringling Brothers is laughing all the way to the bank with your donations to the Humane Society of the United States. So maybe they were able to close the doors earlier and the Fells can take a, you know, another nice vacation on the $25 million. Indeed. Well, Bob, well, I see that well, it's 10 five. Okay. Well, in that case, I guess it is time for me to uh, take Daisy for a walk and remind people that we're live 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mondays, except when it's on Tuesday and we decide to change our mind and do it whenever we want here. So, uh, <laughs> so thank start, you, Gary. Start, thank you. Mike, start calling it anarchist. The anarchist goes vegan radio. You just do it whenever right. you want. There are no what, rules. What, once we broke away from the network here, that uh, Alex Jones network now, we're, we're free to be, be wild here. We were on the Air America <laughs> Network, so you know, quite quite a 16-year history here. And now, uh, yeah, now it's uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, 16th anniversary. We are the greatest show on earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been Bob. waiting, <laughs> been waiting to grab that slogan. So here we go. So thanks, Gary. Thanks, Anna, for listening. Uh, for we'll talk with you next week, Bob. Be well. Okay, Bye. talk to you next week. Bye. Okay, and uh, thank.
thanks to you for listening. Uh, and again, we plan on being here 5 p.m. Monday. Consult uh, our uh, Facebook page, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, the Bob Linden pages, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio to see if we actually are going to do it that way, do what we say. Uh, but as it seems, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., it's our 16th anniversary. Uh, please support the program with a tax-deductible donation and find Donate at GoVeganRadio.com. Uh, we appreciate your listening and, uh, and your support. So many people do uh, write in and uh, tell us how much they've appreciated the show over the years. 16 years. 16 years. And uh, we're working toward a vegan world. Thanks for listening.